Welcome to the Relatable Finance Podcast. Here are your hosts, Joseph Carl and Shane Phillips. Welcome to today's episode of Relatable Finance. I'm your co-host, Joseph Carl, Chief Investment Strategist with Provenance Wealth Advisors located here in sunny South Florida. We have a very special guest today, Sayan Najad, husband, father, fantasy sports extraordinaire. Thank you for joining us today. I know you're a busy man. Oh, no, I mean, you know, I'm a big fan of yours. So I, uh, I'm happy to join anytime, to be honest with you. Thank you so much. So I really appreciate it. And uh, to start things off, can you give us a little bit of background about yourself, what you did before your current role, your education, et cetera? Yeah, it's such an interesting question, and it almost begs a, a longer answer because I've taken a circuitous route, and I'm giving you a circuitous answer. I'm 15 seconds in. I haven't even answered your question for 1% of it yet, but I'm an attorney, but I don't practice law anymore. So I went to University of Richmond Law School after going to James Madison for undergrad, uh, graduated, practiced law in, you know, past the Virginia Bar, of course, uh, practiced in Virginia for four years, decided to pick up and leave and come to South Florida, Fort Lauderdale, where I've been the last 15 years. I took a job down here at a, a defense firm, civil defense firm called Kubicki Draper, practiced there for 10 years, and then just decided I was a little disenchanted with the law, which we can talk about, but it's probably enough uh, content for a whole different show, to be honest with you. Long story short, I went into pharma for approximately five years. And as of about four months ago, as I was doing pharma, by the way, I was doing sports, uh, I was a sports analyst and I was doing fantasy analysis and, and gambling analysis and you name it, anything really across the spectrum of sports. And it came to a point a few months ago where I said to myself, I can't do both of these things and give them my full time. So now I am a full time analyst. Um, I do stuff for windailysports.com. I do stuff for Sirius XM fantasy sports radio for CBS Sports. I do a show called The Early Edge with CBS Sports and the First Cut Pod. So I do a lot of golf and NFL content uh, for that outfit. And I've just recently launched my own website, which is going to be geared towards sports, but a little bit towards uh, motivation, inspiration, things like that. So I got a lot going on in in that realm. And I'm kind of happy to be here. It's an exciting time for me. I don't have anything sort of concrete going on other than just the, the contractor work I'm doing with all of these outfits I just mentioned. So uh, it's going to be exciting to see how the next year pans out for me. Well, that's just a fantastic and exciting story. And just some additional background. I first met Saya at an LA Fitness about 10 years ago. We were both in the basketball court trying to get in some pickup games. Uh, we'd see each other from time to time. And then we started to see each other around downtown Fort Lauderdale, ran into each other, and he told me about his Twitter handle. And lo and behold, he was into doing fantasy sports. So I'm a big sports guy. And as someone that just doesn't have the time to keep up with it as much as I'd like, I really appreciate the content you provide. Would you mind just giving us an idea about how you came? I know you provided a little bit of background, but what has brought you to the point where you are with fantasy sports? It's a good question. You know, I feel like everybody's route is a little different. I I have been into fantasy sports and sports in general, but fantasy sports since probably around 2001. That's that's when I sort of dove into my first uh, fantasy football league. And I just tried to make a name for myself. Ironically, I was trying to make a name for myself through word of mouth because I didn't join Twitter. I mean, I, I joined Twitter probably in, I'm guessing 2017, but I wasn't really active on it until probably three-ish years ago. So I was really behind the curve in, in, in terms of making a name for myself. But, you know, down here in Fort Lauderdale, we have CBS Sports, one of their, um, their, their dot-com headquarters is down here. 
I just managed to kind of meet enough people actually through practicing law. I met some people and, you know, tried to make a name for myself, built something out on Twitter, probably in around 2018 and started, you know, not putting picks out there necessarily, but just talking about fantasy sports when daily sports came calling. And then at that point, for anybody that's sort of striving to be in this industry, you, you really have to like try to create a following, but also try to create film for yourself, a way to market yourself. So what I tried to do was through my, my stuff at Wind Daily Sports, through, through the little that I had at that point with CBS Sports, I made a reel. And I, by doing that, I kind of legitimized myself, at least to some people. And if your reel is pretty good and you have a certain amount of energy and, and acumen, People are going to be like, all right, well, let's give that guy a shot. And that's exactly what happened. CBS Sports gave me a shot on the first cut pod. And that shot turned into a long-term reoccurring role, which I do the first cut pod every Monday. I do their daily fantasy sports show uh, with Rick Gaiman and Greg Ducharme, who some people might know. And uh, that developed into me doing Fantasy Football Today DFS, which is uh, obviously a DFS football show for CBS Sports. So it's just one of those things. I just kind of got the ball rolling, even though I didn't have much of a following. And then I just tried to turn it into something. All, all it really takes, and I'm not trying to be like super inspirational or anything. I mean, that's not necessarily the question you asked. But if you're dedicated to it and you're enthusiastic about it, you're probably going to get somewhere, whether it's this industry or any, any other one. Well, that's and still the incredible story continues. And you mentioned it a little bit there with the Daily Fantasy. We all know the stories about the you know the, the fantasy football league where you have 10 12 teams together and have a draft etc but something that we've seen a lot of growth here recently especially with the legalization of gambling and from different states etc is the daily daily fantasy sports uh, in your opinion how much has this grown what sparked the growth and and what are the different ways you can participate in that Oh, what sparked the growth is such an interesting question. I, I mean, I think that's more a global, like sociological question in a sense, because it incorporates gambling, but it incorporates like short term something. And we know like we are in a society where short term turnover, like that's what we want. I mean, we see it like with, you know, Instagram, you know, people just scrolling. People want just like the immediate satisfaction. They don't necessarily want to wait for the payoff of a year long fantasy league. Now, some people still love that. And, and I, I do, too. But I think daily fantasy has really captured people because they know they don't have to have a, a long-term investment in it. They can play it for a week. They can play it for a day. They can play it the entire year. And there's potentially some payoff there. I, I think with DraftKings or FanDuel specifically, I think people look at those contests and they see, oh, my gosh, this big contest with 300,000 people. The winner gets a million dollars. I think that's appetizing to people. Now, granted, you know, you're not like people listening. You're not going to win those contests. OK, there's 300,000 people and it. it's practically a lotto ticket. You probably have to enter like 150 lineups just to give yourself a shot. But the point is, that's just one tournament of many. There's a lot of reasons to play daily fantasy because it's just fun. You can have a you can have a one dollar tournament lineup and be invested and in golf in particular for four days. It's a four day investment because of how long the tournament is in football. An entire Sunday, you can have a one dollar, three dollar, ten dollar, whatever your your taste is but listen with the marketing of daily fantasy you know now it's been around for almost 10 years i think it's just one of those things and with gambling being legal at this point we're almost up to 35 states where gambling is legal and DraftKings is you know legal in, in most states in terms of daily fantasy but they have their sports books as well FanDuel, caesars you name it mgm this is just one of those things you know gambling has been sort of pervasive in our society but it's kind of been 
under the radar because it's been illegal as of, you know, five years ago. It, 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 you know, four years ago, I think the Supreme Court had their decision just basically saying, you know, it's up to the states to legalize gambling. But the long and short of it is people have always been gambling. And now it's just it's center stage. So people are, are more free to do it. People are more free to do daily fantasy sports. And, and I don't think this is going anywhere. I think daily fantasy sports is here to stay. I agree. It just continues to grow. I mean, I, I'm originally from Ohio and they just recently legalized gambling in Ohio. And, uh, you know, all of my buddies up there are just going crazy over it. So it's incredible just how much that thing can grow in a short period of time. But in some ways, playing fantasy sports is similar to investing. To really be successful, you have to be able to try and predict what's going to happen, be right, and do it before everyone catches up and the odds adjust. So uh, what are some approaches that you take to making decisions, and does that process differ depending on, on the sport? Oh, I liken it to, uh, to conventional investing quite a bit. I mean, I, I really do. It's not the same necessarily, but I think the process is the same. And what I mean by that is, you know, you, you know – that there's so much information that's available. I think the key, first of all, you're right. You want to be on the front end of everything. You want to you want to catch the team before everybody realizes they're hot, and that's and you want to catch the player in daily fantasy before everybody realizes they're hot. And that, when I say everybody, I'm talking about the sports books too. Like the sports books might set a line for a game, and it's and it's the the line doesn't make any sense because they haven't made the proper adjustment. But the long and short of it is, there's a lot of information out there. Whether you're talking about investing in the stock market, whether you're talking about investing in, in daily fantasy or in, in the betting market. And you have to decide what information is good and what information is bad. I can tell you, you know, I do the Fantasy Football Today DFS show. I do a, a, a multiple DFS golf shows. There's a lot of information out there and a lot of it is complete garbage. And the thing is, the people that are feeding you the garbage, they don't realize it's garbage. So so it's not like their intent is bad. They, they just love stats so much. They love whatever the stat may be, and, and, and they say to themselves, oh, I have this wonderful looking stat, I wanna advertise it to the world, then groupthink happens and then people latch onto it. And I'm not saying all, all the stats are bad, but you have to kind of know what actually matters and what doesn't. And I think that's the same in the investing world. So my process is, especially this year, I, I got really good at NFL props. You know, I, I bet across the board, whether it's golf or the NFL, um, you know, DFS, you name it. Uh, and, and the NFL prop market, has been really good to me because I've kind of learned through the years to focus on what I think is important. And then you'll see other, you know, opinions where they incorporate statistics and, and measurables that just aren't that important. So my process is filter out the junk. And, and when, you, when you do this for a long enough time, you kind of know what the junk is. And again, I'm not trying to discredit all the people out there that have these awesome statistics and awesome metrics, but some of them truly don't matter. And some of them are noise. Some of them are distractions. So if you can just focus on what actually matters, what actually moves the needle, then the process becomes much more simplified. Now you're still at the mercy of the game itself and, and just strange things that happen. I mean, we just saw the NFC and AFC championship games. And from an officiating standpoint, there was a lot of strange things that happened. And I'm being nice when I use the word strange, but the, the truth is, especially in the NFL prop market, you can kind of filter out that, that um, a lot of that, uh, officiating nonsense because that usually impacts like against the spread like the number the total the, more so than it does the nfl prop market and then in the golf market you don't have to worry about officials right because it's just the golfer and whether he plays well or not so filter out the noise um get your process down trust in your process and if your process sucks then you got to learn to modify your process i mean don't be stubborn right that that's that's another thing that's really important great advice there is 
an overwhelming amount of information, not only on your end, but in the investment world as well. It's hard to know what's legit and what's not, and it's really the skill that, that develops over time, um, being able to sort between the two. But what sources do you use to rely on to make your decisions? Do you have access to a bunch of free information? Do you have any subscriptions? That's a great question. So yeah, I have some subscriptions, but I, I truly think a lot of the information out there across all the sports is free for the most part. There are some, the only subscription services I like to pay for, and I really, off the top of my head, there might be only a, a, literally a couple for the NFL. And those are more just like, they do a good job summarizing a lot of information. And so I can kind of go there for, for a macro look and then go to other places like free sites to go for the micro look. So maybe I want the summary first before I, before I dive into the, um, the just, just the, the, the finer points, the finer statistics. So um, I, I honestly think you can do this. There's so many free, frankly, there's a lot of, there's so many free, there, there's a lot of outfits out there that are putting out content that is free, that is content that is normally paid. And I think they have a business model behind that, of course. And, you know, who, who knows what it is ultimately in terms of how they're going to monetize themselves. But there's so much free content out there that I honestly don't think you really need to pay for much unless you're looking for like, for example, I do work for WindailySports.com. Now, they have a lot of information and projection models and optimizers and all those things you might want for like making your DFS lineups. But what they also have is a Discord chat. By the way, it's not just Windaily Sports. All, all, all outfits that are paid outfits have like what's called a Discord channel or a Slack channel. And for those of you that don't know what that is, uh, it's glorified instant messenger like AOL instant messenger, like think of that, like you go into this chat room, you have experts in the chat room or people who work for the company and you just have a back and forth with them. So I think when you pay for subscription services, sometimes their tools are really good. But the other thing that's really good about them is, is all their writers, all their experts, they dive into these chats and they answer your questions. So when you're trying to make a lineup, for example, or you're trying to consider a bet, you can bounce certain things. You don't, you don't in the chat, you don't say, hey, do you like this team minus three? It's more like, well, why do you like this team? Tell me some of the factors that you considered. So those Discord chats uh, where you can kind of get one-on-one, -on -one, I think that's sort of worth the price of admission when it comes to those paid sites. But as far as the st statistics themselves, that's pretty much free. Very helpful. Thank you. Uh, I know I'm sure a lot of people ask that question. As interest grows in this space, which it's certainly going to continue to grow as legalization goes throughout the country, but do you have you seen this get harder and harder and do you think it will continue to get harder and harder as more and more interest grows yes it's it's okay first of all against the sports book if you're talking about betting and i know there's two different things here right if you're talking about betting you're always going against the house and that's not necessarily going to get harder like the you know the books are always going to be pretty sharp with their lines for the most part so you're you know but it, when it comes to daily fantasy it's gotten harder i liken it to poker so I, I'm a poker player. I played in the World Series of Poker. I've only played in it once. I played in the main event. I actually cashed. This was back in 2018. Wow. Uh, yeah, really exciting. I got to day four, probably played ultimately like 34, 35 hours straight of poker, and then ended up getting knocked out. Uh, pocket fives versus ace king. And the guy, a professional player from the Netherlands, uh, ended up knocking me out. King in the window, I lost. But the point is, back in the day when poker got really popular on ESPN, I don't know if you remember Chris Moneymaker. I don't know I how do. much of a... Okay, so that, that's when poker got really popular. And a lot of there was an influx of, of players like myself who were like, oh man, I, I, I love poker. I, I think I'm good at it. You know, everybody thinks they're good at fantasy. Everybody thinks they're good at poker. And I was one of those guys. And, you know, the move back then 
was to slow play, right? If you were, if you, if you found yourself or, or thought of yourself as a really good poker player, you'd be like, oh, I'm going to slow play this hand and I'm going to pounce on. Well, the game's evolved where slow playing doesn't really work anymore because of how like professional players, they're so aggressive. They're just going to make you, they're going to find out whatever they need to find out early in the process. They're going to force your hand in a lot of ways. They're not even going to let you catch the card to get you to slow play. So that evolution led to poker getting a lot harder. And it's the same with DFS, with, with, with people understanding how to win in daily fan, DraftKings, FanDuel, whatever it is. They understand how to win. They understand it's not necessarily about the best players. Sometimes it's about ownership and, if, and taking the, the lower-owned guy, which if you do that, now you have ownership leverage and you can kind of advance past the field. People have optimizers now where they literally just put in a couple metrics and they push a button and this optimizer will spit out 10 lineups, 150 lineups, one lineup, but it'll give an optimized lineup. Now, optimizers are not bulletproof, obviously, so you can you can still hand build and beat those optimizers. But the long and short of it is it's gotten really sophisticated. So now, you know, when you go into DFS, you kind of have to think, OK, I know what they're doing now. How can I counter this move? And it's always going to be like that. Any game any industry it's always going to evolve the players are always going to get better there's still going to be some bad players but in general it's always going to get better you have to be one step ahead that's a great great story i remember a freshman year of college is when chris moneymaker debuted and and poker was all the rage for for quite some time mm -hmm. uh, let's switch gears for a moment and talk about live golf uh so i've been waiting by the phone still have not heard anything from live golf about my invitation they must not have my contact information, but for our listeners who may not be aware, can you give an explanation of what Live is and how they're competing with the PGA and what it means for golf? Yeah, the last question is interesting in terms of what it means for golf. Um, but yeah, so Live Live basically is a new golf league, and we've only had really one golf league, at least as it pertains to American players. Obviously, there's the European Tour, there's the the smaller tours like the Corn Ferry Tour that are kind of feeder. Um, into both the European and the PGA Tour. But Liv decided, hey, you know, th this is like Saudi-backed money, as most people know. And they decided, well, we want to create our own golf league for whatever reason. Um, some people think it's sports washing. Some people think, think it's just people that are rich and bored that just want to want to have something to watch. I don't know. And I, I, I kind of, it's not that I don't care, but I don't really want to speculate on that. Because to me, it doesn't really matter. What matters is a new golf league has been formed and there was some, you know, some legal action. And with my legal background, I certainly had some takes on that. I was on various outlets talking about um, just the implications of the PGA Tour not allowing people to play live and the PGA Tour. And that got a little messy for a while. But the long and short of it is, if you're playing on live, you can't play on the PGA Tour. At least that's what the PGA Tour ultimately decided. And they had rules and regulations that kind of laid that out before live was even created. So the, the point is, we have two leagues, and the question is, how long is Liv going to be able to compete? Now, to Liv's credit, they keep pulling some superstars out of the PGA Tour to the Liv Tour. By the way, the Liv Tour is all over the world. They, they, play, you, they play all over, in, the, in Europe, in, in um, the Middle East. They, they have some tournaments in the United States as well. And they don't really have a big presence yet, but they're probably going to start putting their footprint on the golf map, if you will. And it's not because it's a super well-run organization or because they have this awesome TV deal. They just signed one with the CW, but they're paying the CW to have that deal. Like that's how sort of like 
you know, it's it, it hasn't been a good run for them. But at the same time, they've got stars like Dustin Johnson and Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka and Bubba Watson, and they, they keep pulling players. Even just yesterday, they, they signed Sebastian Munoz, who's not a great golfer necessarily, but he's he's a guy, and there's speculation that they're going to pull Mito Pereira and some of these other new talents to the Live Tour. So we'll see how sustainable it is. The, the, the reality is they're paying these guys because – the, the Saudi fund is basically unlimited from a monetary standpoint. They get to pay these guys pretty much whatever these guys want. We're talking about the type of money that some of these guys won't win in their ter- entire career in the PGA Tour. And that's not because the PGA Tour is cheap necessarily. It's just because this, this Saudi fund has a ton of money. So what it means long term, I don't think it means I don't think it's as dire for the PGA Tour as people originally thought. I never thought it was dire for the PGA Tour, but you know how we, are, we live in an overreaction society and we have to be extreme with our takes. The reality is there's su- such an influx of new golfers coming into the PGA Tour that those names like Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Bryson, those are great personalities, but they're ultimately going to be re- replaced from a personality and a talent standpoint. That, that's just the reality of the situation. We already have a bunch of new golfers that have emerged onto the scene, like Tom Kim, for example. He's one of like 20 examples I could give where people are just, you know, enamored with with guys like this and they're really great talents too so i think the live tour is going to be able to survive i think their long-term outlook i don't think it's that great are they going to be around in 10 years probably not are they going to be around in five years probably but i think the pga tour is just fine great take thank you for the uh the context it's an evolving situation i know that tiger and rory are coming out with their own type of golf league at some point that was announced that just it creates all these opportunities for new daily fantasy type sports and et cetera. So an exciting time. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. No, you're right. In, fi- in fact, th- there's daily fantasy for live now, you know, and it's, it's interesting because in those tournaments, you know, one thing we have, and th- some of this is noise and some of it isn't, but one thing we have with the PGA tour is we have shot link data. So when we're breaking down and you might know this already, but when we're breaking down golf tournaments, we can see the strokes gain metrics and, and, and things of that nature, both in, in the tournament and before the tournament. And that's pretty helpful. I think some of those stats are noisy and some of them are very helpful. So it's just one of those things you got to filter out the bad and, and internalize the good. But with Live, we don't really have shot link yet. So it's really just like you can play Live DFS. You know, they have DraftKings for I think they have FanDuel. They have DraftKings for it. And it's one of those things where, you know, you kind of go on your hunches and what you see on, on TV or YouTube or wherever they're broadcasting it. But, yeah, there's going to be daily fantasy for that as well. Awesome. And to that point, how much is the strategy different between, between the PGA Tour and Live, or are we there yet? Good question. I mean, I, I think one thing that is really understated when it comes to golf, like we're so bent on bent, which is almost like a golf pun, bent grass. Um, it, we're so bent on, you know, looking at stats and metrics that I think just watching golf tells you a lot. So I think when it comes to betting it or playing daily fantasy, if you're able to actually watch live and, and just see who's who's firing at the pins, who's firing at the fairway, you know, who's who's a pretty good putter. I mean, all these courses are different, but I think you can glean a lot from just watching golf. I mean, my some of my best betting moments preceded DFS, you know, in terms of winning money uh, on uh, from a gambling standpoint in golf. So, yeah, I, I think um, I think we're going to see shot link data ultimately with those guys. I think we're going to see the metrics, but I think there's plenty of room to be successful at it just by watching it. Great. Well, if our listeners wanted to tune in and hear more about the work you're doing, what's the best way that they can do that? 
The best way would be to go to my Twitter, which is where I do. I mean, I'm on Twitter kind of like all day, every day to some degree. And you can follow me at Sia Najad. That's S-I-A-N as in Nancy E-J-A-D. But then you can also find me if you subscribe to, I mean, if you're on YouTube, my shows are on YouTube and uh, on the Early Edge podcast. Um, I do, I give out picks on Sportsline. Sportsline is a CBS sports affiliate. Uh, it's an app. It's a, it's a website. I'm on windailysports.com. I'm always in their discord. I'm, I'm doing free shows on, on YouTube all the time. Um, if you subscribe to Windaily Sports, uh, their YouTube channel or CBS Sports' YouTube channel, uh, especially YouTube channel, their golf as well. You can find me there, SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio on Saturday nights, usually between 5 and 7. I'm on there. So it's not hard to find me, but the best way is to go to Sia uh, Najad at, uh, on Twitter. Well, thank you, Sia, for taking the time. Uh, great story. We'll continue to follow you and all the exciting things you have to come. We appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Provenance Wealth Advisors is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., Securities are offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Investment advisory services are offered through Provenance Wealth Advisors and Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. Any opinions are those of Relatable Finance Podcast and PWA and not necessarily those of Raymond James. The information contained in this report does not purport to be a complete description of the securities, markets, or developments referred to in this material. There is no assurance that any of the trends mentioned will continue or forecasts will occur. The information has been obtained from sources considered to be reliable, but Raymond James does not guarantee that the foregoing material is accurate or complete. Any information is not a complete summary or statement of all available data necessary for making an investment decision. It does not constitute a recommendation. Investment involves risk and you may incur a profit or loss regardless of strategy selected. Diversification and asset allocation do not ensure a profit or protect against a loss. Investing involves risk and investors may incur a profit or loss. Raymond James does not provide tax or legal services. Please discuss these matters with the appropriate professional. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Future investment performance cannot be guaranteed and investment yields will fluctuate with market conditions. Any examples given in the podcast are for illustration purposes only. Actual investor results will vary.